0: Welcome to Emerging Technology Horizons. I'm Mark Lewis, the executive director of NDIA's Emerging Technologies Institute. And with me on this episode is Federico Chamarella, who is the president and CTO for MXD. So In this role, he's responsible for portfolio management that includes the prioritization of projects for the entire organization. Um, he leads academic outreach, so we will on this podcast be talking about some workforce issues as well. Um, and he also launched a program uh, about two years ago that was targeting emerging technology. So obviously a topic near, to, near and dear to our audience's heart and near and dear to what we're doing at NDIA and the Emerging Technologies Institute. Um, prior to joining uh, his institute, uh, Federico served as the interim chair for mechanical engineering uh, at uh, Northern Illinois University's College of Engineering and Engineering Technology. Uh, did that for two years. Uh, was also director of the Advanced Research Materials and Manufacturing Laboratory with a particular focus on additive manufacturing. So also in a, in emerging technology. Um, you've been the PI on numerous grants. You had a, a you did an activity with NIST uh, on measurement science and additive manufacturing, um, and and also worked on rapid uh, process certification and, and verification for high value added and low volume production. So very interesting indeed. Um, i also served as a competency area manager for the laser materials processing group in the Nas- N- National Laser Center at the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research in Pretoria, South Africa. So you have international experience as well. So, Frederico, thank you so much for joining us for this 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 podcast. Um, let me start ask by asking, could you, could you tell us about your institute? What, what, do you, what do you do and how do you do it?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Mark, for having me. It's such an honor and a pleasure. So yeah, we're MXD, that's Manufacturing Times Digital. We like to say this is where innovative manufacturers go to forge their futures. Uh, So really we're a public-private partnership. We're one of 16 of the innovation institutes uh, that was started under President Obama uh, with this initiative to create these national networks. And so our focus is specifically on digital manufacturing. So really uh, the goal from design to future factory to supply chain, we uh, do a number of things. We actually provide funding uh, for research opportunities. We we generally like to say we try to tackle problems that are too large for any one entity to solve alone. Um, And so uh, we have those projects. We do a tremendous amount in workforce uh, as well. And as the National uh, Center for uh, Digital Manufacturing, we also, uh, a few years back, we're designated by a DOD as a National Center for Cybersecurity and Manufacturing. So cyber is a huge uh, deal to us as well because you can't really do digital without doing cyber. Um, so uh, really, we're a convener, right, trying to bring together this ecosystem of U.S. manufacturers who are on this journey of digital manufacturing and trying to Uh, raise the tide for all the manufacturers here. And that's really our mission is to help U.S. manufacturers with their digital transformation and make sure we do that.
0: And, you know, here at ETI, we've done some work on digital engineering, digital transformation. Um, We recently did a white paper on on digital engineering uh, that was led by Jim Face, former former one of my former Pentagon colleagues. And and one of the things the consensus just keeps coming back, that it's one of the keys to improving acquisition, to delivering technologies more rapidly, more effectively, uh, improving sustainment. Um, so, I, you're, you're, you're obviously on a, on a very, very timely, timely topic indeed. Um, t- could you tell us a little bit more about the work you're d- doing in digital transformation, and specifically with the DoD?
1: Yeah. So, so really, it, it encompasses all different levels, right? So, as I mentioned, uh, looking at aspects from design. So, we have project calls. Uh, uh, actually, one that's uh, about to be down selected. This is a uh, called the AI Design Advisor. So, how does a designer leverage AI to look down the supply chain? So, as they're making decisions on a on a part, that they know what the ramifications might be uh, downstream, right? So, that's going to be a very exciting project uh, coming around. Uh, we are currently uh, doing quite a bit of work actually in supply chain. Um, so we've uh, historically funded about 12 projects o- over the kind of six, seven years of our lifetime, but we have two in particular right now that are extremely exciting. Uh, one is that's funded by, uh, through the CARES Act. This is the supply chain risk alert two, we call it, because we did a, a first iteration through our own funding. And that was really nice because what that did was it helped um, people that had to make decisions on risks and provided information in a matter of minutes. Um, with regards to weather or transportation. Um, And this second one is really looking at now different sources of data, not just weather uh, risk, but transportation and logistics. Um, And we're now using an AI algorithm that can put all this information and kind of look at potential disruptions in the supply chain. So they can um, detect these uh, uh, delays early on and really understand what they need to do. Um, And so that is actually, um, ending up in May, and so we're really excited because this is actually using our off-the-shelf tools to come up with this. And um, shortly here, I think next week I'm hosting a panel with the group that's running this project. Uh, very exciting um, to 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 talk about that. I think it's on the 16th. Um, so those are just a couple of pieces, but then you know we're looking, as I mentioned, at cybersecurity. So we're actually looking uh, and supporting uh, DoD on a project where how do we develop the risk management framework for uh, allowing uh, them to connect printers Mm -hmm. to their network right now, because it's pretty much (laughs) they're standalone, right? right? Because that's the safest way to do it. So understanding what that is, is is a very important part of it. So we've got our ecosystem uh, tied into that. And then another interesting project that we're doing right now is standing up a marketplace. So um, we are looking at how Uh, these small manufacturers, which serves a large part of the DoD, right? Um, I I would say about 75% are are 25 or less employees. Um, So they're definitely not going to have someone that's a cyber expert. So this marketplace allows you to do a lot of um, low cost assessments. And then it tells you where your gaps are. And this could be connected to CMMC, for example, if they need to do some Uh, CMC requirements and so uh, it really walks you through that process and we're now currently um, using some uh, entrance uh, to test out and right get all these things going but uh, we'll have a launch here in the next uh, few months I think in Q2 so we're really excited so as you can see we got a lot of different projects right now that are trying to address these critical issues, right? Cyber supply chain uh, design uh, and decision making. So, so those are just some of the things we actually have about, I want to say, 40 projects right now in execution from from all different aspects, including uh, the workforce. Outstanding,
0: outstanding supply chain, of course, <laughs> an extraordinarily timely subject. Um, yes. Sending that again at NDIA, we've been focusing on uh, specifically looking at the supply chain for emerging technologies. Um, one of the things that we, you know, obviously we found with, with the pandemic, uh, we, we, we we found we were surprised in some cases by vulnerabilities that we hadn't even anticipated. Do, do, you, do you see yourself being able to predict vulnerabilities, identify vulnerabilities using your tools that maybe other techniques had not identified?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, and those are the things I think that we want to glean and learn from this current project that we're running, right? Um, because we actually have five pilot manufacturers that are testing out the tools, so we have Dow, we have Oshkosh, we have Lockheed, we have DLA, which is a large component that does a lot of different things, and then we actually have a small business, uh, Geobit. Um, I believe that's their name, and they they are now all using this tool to understand effectively how it's working for them and identifying these risks in their different um, right supply chain. So it's really exciting to see where this is going to end up um, uh, with regards to uh, yeah, the program. no, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned. Cyber, um, of course, uh, the department has the CMMC protocols that have been a little bit controversial. I, I know you were involved in that to a certain extent. Could you could you tell us about your work there?
1: Yeah, so so really, we are um, just trying to be that intermediary between what what is being laid out uh, in terms of the CMMC and kind of what we're hearing from our members and, and our customers and really trying to understand, you know, where is that balance that, you know, we need to have the safety, right? But we also don't want it to be too burdensome, right? Or too costly for, you know, our SMMs. And I think those are really some of the main concerns. so So really just understanding those pieces. And that's why I say this marketplace is such a uh, one of the uh tools that i think will be great because it it allows you to go through this analysis right L- lets you look at this information and then really also enables you to make decisions right so if you can um make uh, uh, an improvement uh, it'll show you maybe there's a low cost or or no cost solution there um and it really gives you an idea of where you know where you're at with those standards so uh, again, we take this information. We, we try to feed it back to to those that are involved uh, on the government side with the CMMC, um, and then, as I said, as we're learning, we're going back and also trying to make companies understand that you know we have to have some some level right of security because you're secure is you're strong as your weakest link right so um, and you don't know where that can come from or how it can come right these adversaries are looking at everything and anything so. So we're just trying to understand those pieces, make those connection points um and really provide things, tools like this marketplace to help them uh you know the manufacturers connect those right. dots. So in the
0: department of course there was a big push for zero trust to try to uh, yes. address some of those some of those vulnerabilities. And still right. still a work in progress I would say but yeah.
1: It it, it always is, right? It's never going to be perfect but you you got to start okay. somewhere, right? And you have to understand that um, like we tell our, our members and those that we go out, we have an awareness campaign actually ongoing right now. It's not a matter if you get hacked, but it's a matter of when you right. get hacked. So having that mentality and knowing how you're designing your systems for that in, in mind and, and really what are the pieces that you can do. Um, and I think the other point, uh, just to, to clarify. so one thing is to be compliant with say something like cmmc but that doesn't guarantee your right, safety right, either right. right and and so making sure people understand compliance doesn't always equate to to safetyness. so it's it's understanding that we have to have some pieces in place so that you know everyone has a, a way to understand what level they're at or or what their capabilities are but it doesn't always guarantee that 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 you're going to be good to go either so yeah. it's an ongoing process it's a journey absolutely
0: we you know we would often argue that one of one of the hard lessons learned is that it's actually the insider threat that can be the the biggest yeah. the biggest threat that you face so exactly. handling that
1: uh, yeah especially uh even unintentionally yeah. oh, right yeah. so it is workforce you know awareness and training so those are some of the pieces that we do um uh with regards to our awareness campaign is, is making them know here are some simple things right even Low-cost things that you can do, and training your people is one of them. Right, absolutely.
0: you know the the story about a number of years ago, there was a, a cyber war, a war game exercise where the red team was able to hack into the blue team by showing up at their physical location, dressed up as repairmen, and so, you know, we're here to fix your <laughs> system. Right. And you know, plugged in their USB yep. and off, off they went. Off so, the absolutely. Yeah. so absolutely. So, so a little bit about your membership. How tell, tell me about that side of the organization? How how
1: to how to yeah. Who, yeah. So as as I mentioned, we're a public-private partnership. So we have just over 320 members. Um, we have them in different categories. We have our tier one and tier two members. And then really the bulk of them come through our academic partners as well as our uh, tier threes. Um, and so those are really important because those are the ones that at times need the most help in terms of their digital transformation, or even understanding what that is, or how they can take advantage of these technologies, and, and so that ecosystem encompasses, um, you know, whether the manufacturers or solution pro providers, or even, as I said, academics that are doing cutting edge, how do we connect them? And that was that program that that I started is really to enable to have this space, right? This digital sandbox, if you will, where where the members can play together and feel comfortable. Um, generally, we're operating in a TRL four to seven, so that's pre-competitive, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so understanding that everyone is going to benefit from these things and, and really um, at the end of the day it's advancing these technologies and our understanding of how these technologies can be utilized so who
0: who are your key academic partners
1: yeah oh uh, gosh uh, we've got over 30 so i'm, I'm going to feel bad <laughs> if i if I'm out. Yeah if you, northern, if you leave I, someone I, out like we'll, we'll tell them not to be offended one. yeah yeah no northern <laughs> is one but you know we've got MIT we've got uh you know uh, michigan we've got northwestern we've got a, a, a kind of spanning all over the country. I think the other thing is we're, we're starting to add a lot of community colleges, right? Because we understand the importance of them. So we're doing a great program right now from our workforce program with Sinclair Community College that does an outstanding job in training. Um, and so we're adding the digital and cyber piece for them. Uh, we actually had a, a last week or t- two weeks ago, a kickoff for that, that project. Um, and it's just super exciting because there's so much work that needs to be done in terms of finding the workforce of the future, right? They're predicting, I think, uh, 4.2 manufacturing jobs that are going to be needed in the US and 2 million of those are going to go unfilled because of the shortage. So we really, really have to come across the board. So uh, I mentioned some of the community colleges. And I think the other thing that uh, we've always tried to do, but but given the last years we're in is, is engaging HBCUs as well. And so uh, we've got North Carolina a uh, and on board right now, also doing a program with them. Um, we've launched or we're about to launch uh, what's called our virtual training center. So this is coursework um, that our academic providers can can give us that we then uh, use both in cybersecurity and in digital workforce. Um, so that really enables, um, you know, these academics to reach out to a larger group of individuals. So some of them will be a majority of it probably asynchronous, but there may be some coursework that, that you know, again, depending on the time, it could be synchronous. Um, so, you know, our members are, are really the ones, as I said, where they're forging their future in this space because they understand it, they get it. Um, we just had last year EY join, for example, uh, very excited, very engaged. They're gonna have a great space um, actually on our factory floor. So I, I failed to mention we have a 22,000 square foot demonstration factory floor where we put these digital tools into practice so people can physically see what it means to be involved in digital manufacturing and industry 4.0. Demystifying that is so important uh, at at this stage for especially those early entrants. And then the ones that are already in it, as I mentioned, EY that does a lot of work in this space, they they see the connectivity across the floor and want to share that with their customers. Um, And so you see, as I said, these EYs, the Microsoft, the Siemens, uh, you know, Boeing, all working together to kind of help tell this comprehensive story. Uh, and it's really exciting. I mean, we have a great membership base, uh, and, uh, you know, and actually, I know we've spoken quite a bit with NDIA at, at different groups and interacting with them. So, so really excited to, to expand this. Uh, I, I bring them up because we have other, right, non-government organizations like yours, uh, SME, uh, and then government agencies like DLA and, and partnerships where we're trying to help com- complete that story of what digital and what cyber means for them.
0: So does that mean, so can additional companies, universities, organizations join the Institute?
1: Yes. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. So we make it uh, a fairly uh, easy for, for membership in terms of, especially for tier threes, our membership is $500 a year academic partner, it's about $7,000. We've tried to very simplify this process and to enable people at all levels to to get in, because that's really uh, the ones that we need to get involved, right, especially for the workforce, especially for the SMM's. They are the lifeline, as you very well know, of this economy in this country. So if we can't help them survive and pivot to this digital workspace, then we're all going to be in quite a bit of trouble.
0: I assume if let's say one of our NDIA members wants wants to, to join,
1: they can go to your website. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. mxdusa.org. Thank you. Yes. Yes.
0: And and you did not pay for that commercial announcement. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. <laughs> so hey, I want to switch gears a little bit. So so I want to come back to you you talked about all the work that you're doing on workforce development, the HBCU's community colleges, which which I absolutely love because you know, as a university professor myself, I tend to think in terms of undergraduate degrees, graduate degrees, you know, masters, PhD. Yeah. But often it it is at the community college level, the technical schools where yes. we need to be. We need to be reinvesting. We need to be focusing across the board. What will it take to build that future workforce? What yeah. what, ha, what steps are you taking, and, and where are you going?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think you know, my director, Liz Stuck, she's she's done such a great job over the last few years. They really put it as Um, um, And now, of course, I forget, but it's to define, develop and do. So these are the three things. And anything we're going to do, it's going to take the entire community to do. So it's not just the academic partners, it's the local key stakeholders, right, or it could be other organizations, it could be government uh, organizations, and then the industry. So you need all those three individuals at the table. Now, I know that's not always easy, uh, but but certainly if you want to have meaningful transformation, particularly in workforce, you've got to have them, everyone at the table. So in terms of define, what we've been able to do uh, in our workforce, so MXD Learn, is we've created two um, uh, key pieces. One is a taxonomy on digital jobs of the future, which actually will get a refresh this year, um, that has about 160 manufacturing jobs of the future. Okay. And they have defined roles and you can download that for free on our website. Um, I I can give you the links later. The other one that we just created was the hiring guide. And that's specifically on cybersecurity roles in manufacturing. And we identified 247 roles in that space. And what's great about this is you have the definition. What are these jobs? What are the skill sets needed? And what are the pathways to get there? Okay. So that's, define now we go to develop so over the last few years we've developed course content that now corresponds to some of those roles okay so in partnership with UMBC we developed the CIMOT program so that's cybersecurity for manufacturing and operational technology Um, it's actually uh, three modules Um, and at the end of that you get actually a certificate that lets people know you have the skill sets that are needed for that particular role which is critical uh, in manufacturing in terms of securing your OT, that operational technology. So many people are familiar with the IT side, but the physical hardware also needs to be secure, and there's a huge demand in that. So that's the develop part. So we've now developed these programs that people can take, and that's really where the do now comes in, where we've now enabled, as I mentioned, this virtual training center that we will launch that will have courses like SIMOT, that will have some digital design programs, That we're doing with Drexel and other things as I mentioned with Sinclair Community College as we learn and get this content we will now share that so people can do it right and really get to the heart so it's understanding that if you have those pieces in place it really enables everyone to be involved in that discussion Um, we don't have it all solved right because there are a lot of intricacies and, and messy pieces to that but I think to your point We, as former professors, need to look down and and support all the things that are coming from the community colleges and other organizations that that do training. Uh, There's a great program in Tennessee called Pivot Tech, where two uh, young um, uh, men have established a program that are helping people literally pivot from traditional jobs to cyber or technology jobs. Um, uh, And they're a startup, and they're doing great work. And so, I think taking that community, taking that uh, the community colleges, and all these things and putting them together really helps us potentially address these gaps because we have to look at non traditional uh, people, you know, in terms of uh, thing, people that don't even know that opportunities exist in these spaces for, for not just jobs, but careers, right, that can be fulfilling. And uh, quite honestly, as I always would tell my students when I taught, Six figure careers, right? Which, you know, to them, young, that's a lot of money. That's transformational money. So um, I think those are the things that we think about uh, as it comes to MXD Learn and and what we're trying to do.
0: And you mentioned outreach to the HBCUs to try to
1: bring in some, uh, I guess. Yeah, diversify diversify the base. We have to diversify the base because that's the only way you get true innovation right uh we want people that that think and do things differently do things creatively uh, and 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 the, the statistics show that uh as you have a diverse workforce uh much as we do here at MXD uh you know Chandra our CEO a female, our SLT, uh, two thirds of our VPs are are female. uh, And you go down the board and you'll see quite a a diverse background. And I think that's why we've been so successful here at MXD. As we're doing these things, we're not just saying this should be done. We're actually doing it as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Right. Right. Excellent. Excellent. I, you know, a lot has been written recently, actually in the last few years um, about the decline, for example, in the number of women in computer science departments, numbers are actually yes. decreasing, yes. not increasing. I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing. And is that something that you think um, address? Well,
1: yeah, I would say that, again, there there are a lot of great efforts ongoing in terms of raising awareness. Um, and so right. I think it really comes down to the relevancy of you know what we're doing, right? Because manufacturing, as you know, is always seen as this dirty, old kind of, yesteryear thing to do right and 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 once anyone for that matter not just women but but anyone sees the cool and and the high tech and and as i mentioned the economic flexibility that you can have then that really changes the narrative so yes we see things maybe kind of declining in certain spaces, but manufacturing in general, I think we've always suffered from that, right? Because as I've mentioned, it has this other perspective. Right, and so, right, right. you know, what can we do? So what we try to do is again, raise awareness on what, how that plays a role and how these individuals can have an impact and a meaning, right? Because I think a lot of it um, ends up on on the fact of wanting a, a vocation to help others, right? So you see a lot of perhaps women going into to, to medicine or legal professions, which are great professions by all means, but you know, I think manufacturing can be seen as that, as supporting, as a greater cause, you know, as I said, especially because it's such a vital port of, uh, part of our economy. But I think we, uh, as a community, just need to do better at, at um, telling that message.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And it seems as if we've allowed parts of our manufacturing facilities yes. to diminish, We've relinquished capabilities to, frankly, to other countries, and there's certainly a big push to return manufacturing to the United States across the range of disciplines. Uh, right, microelectronics right. is one that immediately comes to mind. Um, and, and so it, I, I would agree with you. It's it's an it's an yeah. absolutely it's a it's a national imperative, <laughs> and so thank thank you for your efforts on 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 in doing so because this is, i i this is this
1: is abs- it's critical not only
0: to national defense oh absolutely yeah and, and we can only do it together
1: well. right and no one no one person can do this alone yeah. we have to push together we have to always talk about that message and 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 you know as as we say manufacturers are doers right so we always got our heads down doing 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 and and i think sometimes we got to pause and stop and say hey look look at what we're doing look at how we're creating value and growth and an opportunity really. Cause as I said to me, what I garner from the younger generations, they want to have purpose in what they do for work. Right. And I don't know that we've shown the value and the purpose that manufacturing has, as you've pointed out the lifeblood of, of this economy. And, and I think once you do that, you see like the buy-in and there are young, you know, I would have young students co- actually come in from the business school to visit me in the engineering department because we had a our center where we would help students build or prototype. And once they started seeing that manufacturing aspect, I'm not saying that they would jump to engineering, but at least they had an appreciation and understanding of how they could do things perhaps differently with these leveraging these technologies. And so I think sometimes it also just takes that as making people aware of what's out there so they can make the right decisions.
0: Absolutely. Federico. First, let me let me thank you for joining us on this episode. But let me also thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, the Institute's doing amazing work. You're, you're investing in our future. Um, and and I, I, I can't tell you how much that's appreciated, how vital that is. Uh, and and uh, thanks for all your good deeds. Oh, my pleasure.
1: And thanks to you. Uh, you know, it's just such an honor and pleasure to be here with you today. I'm glad to, to meet you and, and thank you for all your service and the things that you've done because you've played a tremendous role in that as well. So uh, I think, uh, you know, thanks go to you as well. Great, thank you very much. Okay.